me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. From the Attention Era Media Studios in the beautiful city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, this is Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub. Hello, everybody. I am Baxter Colburn. No Simon Provan. I know, it's weird. Simon Provan was holding down the fort remarkably well. He didn't burn down the fort. It's a little singed, but nothing completely burned down. No, I'm kidding. He did a fantastic job. He actually now has the day off after we both took Tuesday off uh, this last week, but uh, he has an opportunity to go do some acting, which is uh, one of his true passions, so we are thrilled that he gets the opportunity to go and do that. So he will not be with us, unfortunately. We hope that uh, maybe next Tuesday we can finally do a show together again. It's been a long time uh, since we've done a show together, but be that as it may, we've got a packed show for you. Uh, we've got some remarkable guests joining us. Uh, we have Chicago Red Stars midfielder Taylor Camo joining us, Boston Breakers player Stephanie Verdoy, Vavil USA editor Chris Blakely, and we'll have a fourth guest joining us actually here in just a moment to talk Champions League. It'll be soccer analyst and host of the Fantasy Soccer Coaches uh, podcast, Simon Mitchell, but we'll get to him in just a brief moment. We do want to remind all of you, of course, that you can listen to the show on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time, live right right here on Spreaker.com. You can get it on demand, of course, if you miss it, though, by going to our website, to upfrontsoccer.com. For those of you that love social media, find us on Facebook, of course, to upfront, and on Twitter at to upfront soccer. I am at Baxter Colburn, and my host Simon, my co-host, pardon me, uh, Simon is at Simon Provan. All right, pack show. As we mentioned, a lot of things to get to. I want to jump over to Europe fast, since we're going to be very domestic here for most of the show, uh, and bring in Simon Mitchell uh, to talk about the Champions League. Simon, welcome to Two Upfront, sir. How are we doing today? Hey, Baxter, I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, not too bad, sir. I'm, I'm excited to, to talk about the Champions League because it seems like it's been going a little bit uh, a little bit haywire recently. Of course, those that are big EPL fans are like, why is Leicester City doing so well? They're not even doing that well in the Premier League. And you know, I'm sure all the other, other storylines. But uh, I'm curious to get your opinions about the, uh, the games that took place on November 1st and November 2nd and kind of where things are settling down right now. Well, probably the best place to start is in Group A, where everything seems to be settled. Um, Arsenal and PSG have both qualified for the last 16 with two games to spare. They're now fighting out for top spot and still have each other to to play. Um, So that's going to be the big game. But um, Group A is all but done and dusted, unfortunately. Yes, yep, absolutely. I, were you a little worried at all about how Arsenal was playing against their their last opponent there? I don't even know how to officially say it. PFC Ludogorets or something of that nature? I mean, they were losing 2-0 in this game, and then they, they battled back and won 3-2 thanks to, to Mesut Ozil's brilliant slalom and beautiful finish. I wasn't worried. I, I mean, Ludogorets uh, a couple of seasons ago, if you remember, actually beat Liverpool in the Champions League. So oh, they've got right. pedigree of upsetting bigger teams mm-hmm. so it wasn't a surprise that they were getting 
you know, beating Arsenal at one point. Arsenal, again, you know, they struggled a little bit against Sunderland at the weekend in the EPL. So I wasn't surprised to see them go 2-0 down, but again, wasn't shocked when they came back to win 3-2 in the end. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a, a, a big thing for them uh, to go out and win. Uh, aside from that, you look at a lot of the other groups, though, Simon, uh, throughout the Champions League. A lot of tough races, not a lot of clear-cut winners of the groups. I mean, I know there's a couple of teams that are sitting on 10 points, but uh, some good competition still yet to be had in, in several of these groups, though, wouldn't you say? Yeah, very much so. You've got, um, I'm going to go to Group E, which is my team's Tottenham's group. And Tottenham are having an absolute torrid time in the Champions League. Uh, the curse of Wembley, which is almost <laughs> as big as the curse of the Billy Goats. Exactly, exactly. But, uh, the Chicago Cubs have just not, just uh, overcome. Um that's one of the tightest groups because see, uh, Cheska Moscow, Tottenham, Leverkusen and Monaco are separated by six points with two games to go. And those games can go in any direction. Um, I'm kind of hoping that Tottenham are able to beat Monaco and then beat Cheska Moscow and uh, qualify for the last 16. But Leverkusen were fantastic last night. Absolutely took Tottenham apart. Played Tottenham at their own game. High press. Didn't let Tottenham play the ball. Didn't let them play their own game. And really, really impressed me last night. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that one for sure. It was interesting. I know Tottenham-Leverkusen was one of the few games that a lot of the pundits were talking about saying, well, this will be the game we're going to try to really catch on and you know see what takes place. Uh, I am curious to get your thoughts briefly, though, about the draw between Real Madrid and Liga. I, I, I don't understand how a team, any team can really to, you know, draw Real Madrid if their name is in Barcelona or Bayern Munich. How did this happen? I have no idea. It was one of those freak results. Um, Gareth Bale with an absolute wonder goal in the first minute. Mm -hmm. And then Real Madrid do what Real Madrid have done almost all season. They seem to get a goal or get a second goal and then they just sit back, Hmm. hope for the best, wait to see what happens. And they've done it throughout the season with the Liga and it's very lackadaisical attitude, which is a real shame because they've got so much quality. And I like Zinedine Zidane. I like him as a person. I like him as a player. I loved him as a player. I like him as a coach and want him to do well. He's already won the Champions League, but you want him to retain it. And it's it's just struggling a little bit. I mean, there's no reason why they can't get through their group. Dortmund seem to be walking away with it. They've got a five-point lead over um, Sporting Lisbon in third place, so they should qualify quite comfortably. And if they qualify second, could draw the likes of Leicester City, which would be an absolute dream for Leicester yeah, City in absolutely. the last 16. Exactly, exactly. All right, Simon, we appreciate your, your brief thoughts about the Champions League. Uh, where can people find you uh, on social media before we let you run? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mitch the Coach, and we're hoping to bring back the Fantasy Soccer Coaches in 2017. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Awesome, Simon. Appreciate the time, sir. Thank you. Cheers, Baxter. Have a great day. Will do, will do. All right, so yeah, as you can hear, the uh, the Champions League continuing to, to cause a lot of people some stress. Uh, personally, as an Arsenal fan, I do the best I can to, to keep up with the Champions League, but when you've got you know the NWSL season uh, just finishing up and, of course, MLS playoffs are in full swing as well, uh, it makes for a hard time to, to really track all the soccer going on. And I know once the MLS playoffs are done and dusted, I'm sure there will be much more free time to be had by all. Uh, I know one of the things we need to talk about today from a NWSL perspective is the one thing that really has basically anybody that's an NWSL fan losing their minds. The Orlando Pride have acquired U.S. Women's National Team defender Ali Krieger. People are calling it the robbery of a century because the spirit are basically getting nothing while the pride are getting everything. Folks that know Ali Krieger, of course, a longtime member of the Washington Spirit, longtime tenured player of the U.S. Women's National Team, a dynamic outside back. She can get up the field. She can score goals. She can play the outside. She can do virtually everything. Uh, it, it's really amazing you know, what a gal like Allie Krieger is capable of doing. Uh, I know that it's going to be a, an interesting move to see what all takes place with Orlando as they continue to move down the stretch. Uh, I think the Pride certainly next season are hoping that they can surprise a lot of people with um, the amount of players that they've got. Of course, Alex Morgan, Caitlin Kyle, Ashlyn Harris, now Allie Krieger, among others. Of course, Sarah Hagen and many others will certainly look to make that team a much more dynamic and a much more... 
you know, impactful team if they can. So there's certainly a lot that is going into the Orlando Pride's offseason. There's rumors, though, that Crystal Dunn might also be leaving the uh, the Washington Spirit as well. There's rumors she might be headed over to Europe someplace to play. Uh, I haven't seen any official confirmation come through from her yet or from the team as a whole. Uh, so, of course, we'll make sure to talk about that once we know more about it. So, we have a lot more to get to on the show. Uh, we are going to run to a break right now, but when we come back, we are going to be joined on the phone by one of the many guests that we've got on the show today, Boston Breakers player Stephanie Verdoy. We'll be back with more. You are listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Stay with us. Welcome back inside the studio. It is Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. From the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I am Baxter Colburn. No Simon Provan today, unfortunately, as I mentioned at the top of the hour. We were joined by another Simon uh, in the beginning segment, but Simon Mitchell, uh, soccer analyst and host of the Fantasy Soccer Coaches podcast as well. If you love the Premier League, if you love fantasy soccer, go and check that out, of course. All right, time to head up to the East Coast, going up to Boston. We uh, have had a couple of breakers, uh, players. We had Rachel Wood on our show a couple of months ago. Uh, we've been in talks with other players as well for joining us. Uh, but the way Boston's moving right now, it's really kind of hard to know who's going to be on their roster, whether it's uh, them getting rid of somebody or them signing somebody. They are just on a hot streak of acquiring players. But uh, we actually get to speak with somebody that uh, was on the team last last season and is uh, uh, coming back this season as well. So we're thrilled to welcome Stephanie Verdoy on the program. Stephanie, welcome to Two Up Front. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. We are thrilled to have you on the show. And I hope I wasn't speaking too out of turn when the fact is like, do you even as a player know what the heck Boston is doing right now? I feel like it's kind of a, <laughs> a rotating carousel of players every single day. It's like, oh, this player is gone. Oh, this player has been traded. It's like, what is going on? Yeah, I mean, you know, it can be tough, especially when, um, from, you know, a public perspective, you, you see these announcements and you're like, wow, they're just dropping people left and right, or they're picking up new people, like, where are all these draft picks going? But um, I think our coach, Matt, has a really specific idea for the team he wants to create, and I think coming in last year, he um, was trying to do that as best as he could with um, everyone that he had, and I think players and coach people had to realize they had different kind of wants and needs based on his coaching style and based on the players that he had and so I think it's just people figuring out exactly what they want um, in terms of another team if they want to retire or you know what's the best suit for them and so as a player you know it's hard watching some of your friends leave um, and go but it's I think it's all for the best and I think it's going to shape up into a good team next year. Well, talk to me about this last season here, Steph. Uh, you got to get on the field 10 total times. You started in five games. No goals or assists from you. You did get a couple of shots off. From your perspective, from only seeing the field 10 total times, uh, your team unfortunately you know, losing 15 games as well, uh, what, what, what was your perspective from how things kind of fell for the Breakers in 2016? Um, you know, it, it was obviously a rough year. I mean, like you said, you can see that from our from our stats, from our 
um, record. But I think it was a lot of getting to know each other. Um, like I said, a ton of new personalities coming onto the team, a new coaching personality, you know, a lot of new people in administration. It was a year where everyone needed to learn each other, and it took us a long time to do that, um, unfortunately. And I think the way that this season works in this league, you need to get going quick. And if you don't, then you're kind of just spiraling downwards. And so I think we got caught, you know, trying to – figure out ways to work instead of really trying um, to learn each other and figure out what was best for us as a group. So, I mean, we, I think we figured out a little bit more towards the end and I think this off season, everyone's going to work really hard. Um, and next year will definitely be more positive. Well, speaking off of that too, this off season as a whole, I mean, aside from Boston, you know, signing new players, you had a little bit of a roller coaster to start your off season. Didn't you kind of with the way uh, things went with the team there? So they said, you know, thanks, but no thanks. And they're like, Oh, just kidding. We want to have you back. So uh, how do, what was that kind of emotional roller coaster for you a little bit? Cause you were for one day, you're looking for a change of address slip. The next day you're like, Oh, just kidding. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think every player goes into the off season for the most part, not really knowing um, what's going to happen, whether that's, you know, whether the team wants him back, whether they want to pay them less or anything. So for me, it was more trying, I think as a player in this league, everyone has to kind of play it by ear. Um, and, you know, I I knew that I'd played a, a minimal role this year. Um, and so I didn't know exactly what that looked like going forward. Like I said, I think Matt has a specific vision for his team and his future. Mm-hmm. And I, even though that would be hard to hear that I, he didn't want me to be a part of it, I also understand that coaches all have very different opinions and what they want and what they need. And so for me, I was trying to take the most optimistic route and say, if they want me here, great. And if they don't, then I can find another place, hopefully. So. Absolutely, absolutely. You're talking with Stephanie Verdoya of the Boston Breakers on the shopfutsal.com. Call in line here on 2 Upfront. Steph, I- I'm curious now, there's been such a mass exodus of players from the NWSL over to the W League in the off season. Was that an option for you? Was that something you were looking at possibly doing, or did you decide to stay stateside on purpose? Um, yeah, I was I was definitely looking at that because it's one of the best um, options in terms of staying in shape and technical, um, keeping your technical skills, you know, ready to go. Um, for me, I really wanted to work on developing a little bit more, which is harder to do when you're going straight into another league. Um, you don't get as much time on like individual attention in terms of skills and practice. Um, you know, you're going back into games, which is great for fitness. Um, but for me personally, I think where I'm at in my development as a player, I really needed to take some time um you know, train individually, work on my um, fitness here. And also I just have, um, you know, eventually I'm hoping to go to law school and some things. So I just need to take care of some, some stuff here. So, wow. Okay. Law school. So you're, so, I mean, and I, I know that's, that's a, that's a thing to think about too, of course, because nobody can play soccer or any sport forever, obviously. Right. But, so is that, is that something I guess? So do you, is practicing law officially what you want to do or what, what is, what's your, your end goal, I guess, post soccer? Um, yeah, law school is definitely probably the the goal post soccer. Um, it's hard though because as I'm you know as I'm in it, it's my it's my main goal, and so it's hard to try and prepare for anything else because yeah. right now soccer is the only thing on my brain and my heart, and so that's that's kind of what I've been focusing on. But eventually, I do need to figure out another way to live, um, as we all do. So of course, yeah, that probably would be the end goal. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always good to know, you know, what what players want to do, and the, the you know the the realistic point of the NWSL. Unfortunately, right now is that there just isn't enough money to go around currently. So right. you're, it's it's very hard for non federation players to be like, oh, I can play professionally for ten years and then be fine. It's like, well, mm, no, unfortunately not. That's exactly. not the case. So for somebody like you, though, you did spend time with the U23s, which is obviously very commendable. When you heard what Jill Ellis is doing to kind of bring this new youth movement in, did that did that spark a little bit of a, a fire inside of you saying, oh, interesting, I've been a part of the system before, and, and now I have an opportunity to, to be back again with my club and maybe make a name for myself and say, hey, Jill Ellis, come take a look at me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I actually love what she's doing. I mean, any player would get excited about it. She's really focusing on not only younger players, but bringing players in from the league, which is, I think, really important for the development of the league and its future. Um, so seeing that, you know, before I kind of thought the um, 
getting into the national pool was kind of a little bit closed off. It was hard to get your name in there. It was hard to like make anything work. Yeah. And now yeah. it's obviously opening up a lot. And so, you know, if not for me, a lot of my teammates, it makes me really excited for them in terms of like the opportunities they have in the future. And it does, it gives me a, a extra motivation to make sure I like come in and make this next season one of my best for sure. Absolutely. And, and I feel like the way that Boston is setting up their team for 2017 really gives younger players like you not only the opportunity to play more, but also to learn more from some of the veterans that they're bringing in as well. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think that was one of um, the great parts about this last year, but also one of the hard parts is with so many new personalities, um, I think we lacked a little bit of the veteran leadership just because we were trying to figure out who was going to be on the team, how we were going to be as a team, and so people were more worried you know, about themselves and figuring out what they needed. And I think this next year we're bringing in great players, um, obviously some players sticking around. And I think that they offer huge leadership and um, potential and just an ability to command the team that maybe we didn't have last year. I've seen on Twitter, and I know Twitter is, of course, the most reliable news source that there is out there, but I've seen on (laughs) Twitter that people are already starting to toss the P word towards you guys saying playoffs next year because of how coach is really starting to restructure the team based off the players you've got currently and I know it's kind of hard to know because you haven't gotten in camp with some of the new players of course yet but based kind of off of just a general thought is it is that a realistic goal next year or where do you where do you think the team is going to be next year absolutely I definitely think that's a realistic goal and that is not just coming from a player on the team with high hope um, you know <laughs> no one would blame you regardless even if you, you, know, reg- <laughs> you know it's good to have belief in your team Right. But, you know, watching even this past year, maybe people find this hard to believe, but watching our team play, I mean, we did lose quite a, quite a few matches, but none of <laughs> besides like a, a handful, none of them were huge blowouts. I yeah. always felt like we were in it and I felt like we were a team that at least could keep going. And so the fact that we could have that type of character added with this new talent, I absolutely think could make for a playoff run. Yeah, and I would have to agree with you on that one too. I think that the pieces are there. It's just actually trying to put it all together. And that was the hard thing for really a majority of the NWSL teams last year too because it was an Olympic year. So you lost all the U.S. and the Canadian and the Mexican and everybody else that were you know, part of their federation that went to the Olympics. So you take away all those players and suddenly people are like, well, how good are, you know, how good are these teams actually? So right. from a Boston perspective, I know you guys didn't lose that many players, but it certainly raises the question. Now, I'm curious too, focusing just back on last season, just for a minute, when we had Rachel Wood on the program a couple of weeks ago, I asked her and gave her a little bit of crap about this because she, she brought it on herself. She was jarring me. So I jarred back. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, Rachel, she's a firecracker. And, <laughs> but um, I, I, I was giving her a little bit of crap about the Western New York Flash games because people were saying that the Western New York Flash weren't that good because they had to play you guys four times. Now that you've seen them win the NWSL championship, (laughs) um, what does that reflect, I guess, basically on how good that team is and how good you guys were, I guess, at that point? Uh, Yeah, you know, that's really hard because uh, they are definitely one of our rivals. Like, obviously, we play them the most. Um, They're close to us, and so... You know, as a source of pride, it was, you know, hard to watch them win it. Sure. But in terms of knowing soccer and knowing how it feels to play against them, I always thought they were good enough to win it. Mm, I mean, people, I mean, they, they just, they fly forward with numbers. They are amazing at scoring goals. That is, was evident all season. And yes, they scored a lot against <laughs> us, but you know, they, they know how to put the ball in the back of the net and they showed that over and over again. And I think they were deserving of the title. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully next season you can be looking back and saying, Hey, that was great that, you know, you guys won last year in New York, but now it's Boston's turn. Now it's time for <laughs> us to, to hoist the trophy and, uh, and you know, that would to... be lovely. Absolutely. Well, Steph, it has been lovely getting to chat with you and I, I appreciate you taking some time to join us on to upfront. Uh, we wish you the very best of course, in your off season travels. And we'd uh, love to have you back on the program again, if it works out. Great. Thank you so much. You're absolutely welcome. There goes Steph Fredoya on the shopfutsal.com call in line. We're going to run to a break. When we come back, we're going to head to Chicago, keep the interviews rolling. We're going to talk to Chicago Red Stars midfielder Taylor Camo. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Stay with us.
Welcome back to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios. Time to head down to Chicago for an interview. As we, many folks know on the show, we love to do NWSL interviews with players to get to know their story a little bit better and find out about what they are doing in the offseason and, of course, what they thought about the uh, this 2016 campaign and, of course, 2017 being just around the corner as well. Uh, with that being said, we are going to head down and chat with a midfielder for the Chicago Red Stars. She wears number seven. It's Taylor Camo, and she joins us on the program now. Taylor, welcome to Two Up Front. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely, Taylor. We're thrilled to have you on the program today. Uh, So you've had some time now, Taylor, to kind of digest what was the 2016 NWSL season. Uh, What have your What have your thoughts been now that you've had like a lot of opportunities now to really just kind of look back and say, you know, it was a what, what kind of a campaign do you think you guys performed in 2016? Uh, I think we did uh, pretty well. We were a completely different team. Um, well, not completely different, but there was definitely a lot of new players from, as, from the previous year for the Red Stars. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we did well as coming together and just kind of finding our own rhythm and finding who we are as a team for 2016 versus 2015. And I think we did pretty well. Obviously, it didn't end the way we wanted to, but... Um, room for improvement. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you yourself, though, you know, you got to appear in 16 total games. You got six starts under your belt. And, of course, you got a goal and an assist as well to help pad your stats as well. But, uh, and I'm curious, of those, what, what, what was the difference for you between the games where you came off the bench to play as opposed to the ones that you started, those six games? Did you have a different assignments? Was it just personnel things? What was the reason for you to, to kind of mix and match your, your playing time this year? Um, I think it's uh, personnel. Sometimes our starting lineup would change uh, based off of who we were playing and what formation was best for us at the time. Um, For me personally, I think I just kind of started to find my own uh, place in the team a little bit better. Me and Rory became a little more familiar with each other, so I think he was able to trust me more and more as the season went on, and I got those opportunities, and hopefully made the most of them when I was able to start and play the full game versus going in and kind of just being like a spark off of the bench type, type of player. Do you have a preference of, of what you'd rather do? I know that might sound silly. Of course, I'm sure everybody would love to start every single game if they can, but some people thrive on that role of coming off the bench and you know providing that you know 20 to 30 minute you know burst of energy to kind of rally the troops late on, late on in a game. Yeah, I think um, I definitely think some players are like a good off the bench kind of like spark for the team. For me personally, I do like to play um, like start because as a midfielder, it's kind of hard to come off the bench and just like jump in. Exactly. Yeah. Um, when you play midfield, it's easier to kind of like just be like with the rhythm right from the start. Um, so what's good for me is I can play multiple positions. I'm not just always a midfielder, but I personally prefer start. Right, but, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I mean, I'm sure most players, is, and soccer is one of those sports too, it's hard to say, oh, I prefer to come off the bench. I mean, obviously you don't have unlimited subs at the professional level, so, you know, getting that opportunity to be on the field as long as possible, I'm sure is what a lot of people, you know, would prefer to do, of course. And it, it worked out for you as well. I mean, you did score a goal this season and, a, you know, a big win against the Orlando Pride earlier on uh, in the season. So you've, you've had three seasons total now you played for the seattle sounders women you played for the portland thorns last year and now you just you know played your first season with chicago where do you believe you are in your career now kind of moving forward you've got three professional years to an extent under your belt you've scored a goal you've appeared for some of the best teams in the league what how do you how do you feel that your growth is going at such a young age i mean you're only you know 23 years old so obviously you've got a lot of soccer life left in you um, yeah, well, for the Sounders, it wasn't the professional league at the time. Yes, yep. Um, that was the W League, yeah. So that was when I was still in college, and obviously that's like even younger, kind of a start to know that you want to go in this direction. Uh, for me, I think just continuing to get better, and um, like I said, I am a versatile player. I, for Portland, I played, you know, kind of like more of a defensive role, and for Chicago, I played more in like a midfield 
somewhat more of an attacking role. So I think for me, it's kind of finding where, like what position like I am best at. I'm still trying to figure that that out along with all the coaches that have coached me. Um, <laughs> so I'm still kind of figuring out like what specific role I can, you know, thrive at the best. And um, I'm still figuring it out. Any coach who's coached me thinks differently about every position that I could play or should play. So, you know, I'm still still developing in that aspect so I can become like one solid position, one solid like role on whatever team I play for. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Talking with Taylor Camo of the Chicago Red Stars here on Two Up Front on the ShopFutsal.com call-in line. Taylor, I'm curious. We've seen uh, Casey Short from your from the Chicago Red Stars recently get called into national team camp, and things seem to be going well for her. You talk about players that you know have kind of emerged from the shadows as you know being versatile. Casey, of course, is a great story about that of overcoming injury. You yourself, you know, you're still very young. We've heard about Jill Ellis wanting to basically gut the veterans from the team and try to, you know, force this youth movement. With someone like yourself that claims to be so versatile, and it's obvious we've seen we've seen your play on the field as well too. I mean, I'm sure it's foolish to ask this, but do you have national team uh, aspirations, and do you feel that you can actually attain them as well in the coming years? Um. Yeah, I think you know any player that's playing for the NWL who is you know an american citizen um does probably have aspirations like if i get called in the camp it's not like i'm going to turn it down you know yeah of course be like no i'm Um, good jill thanks anyway (laughs) yeah exactly i think i'm going to sit this one out yeah um well we actually yeah i mean a lot of people like pretty much any player who's still playing would like to reach the next goal the next step um so yeah that is definitely an option for me i guess still since i am still young and the fact that I do play multiple positions could help me with that. You know, mm-hmm. if they need a plug sometime down the line, if they need a position filled and someone like me who can kind of like fit into any role, I guess, mm-hmm. I guess that is, uh, works in my favor for being more of a versatile player. Absolutely. I would agree with that for sure. Now I'm curious. I mean, one of the things that the criticism that a lot of people hear about the NWSL is that, in the off season, a lot of players have to go and get other jobs or try to do other things to keep them, you know, sustained and you know still active. I guess at the same time, what are what are you doing this off season to not only stay in shape but to kind of you know keep yourself busy until the season kicks up again in a couple months? Um, yeah, well, last year I did go overseas to play a little longer, um, and this year I think my focus is mainly to kind of play with boys as much as possible okay um that's basically what my thought is and my idea is basically to go play with you know boys who are faster and you know sure. usually stronger so that's kind of what my idea my thought is and i've talked to rory about it and he thinks that that's probably a good thing for me as well to like get as much fast-paced playing in as I can right now. Do you have any connections at all with the Chicago Fire guys at all? Do you Are you able to train with any of them since they play at a high level as well and are obviously relatively quick on the ball and off the ball as well? Um, I do know a couple of Fire players, but I don't know if that's exactly what I'm going to be doing. I'll probably be, you know, kind of back and forth between California and Chicago. And, sure, um, sure. I know, yeah. like, a couple academy teams here and some like semi-pro and just uh i know a lot of you know male players just as friends who can help me out in that aspect absolutely which i think is which is fantastic that's definitely what we've heard um on the show as well from other players that we've we've talked to as well and it's it's nothing against obviously playing against you know other other women that play the sport of soccer but if like you said you yourself who have such high aspirations with your career if you want to get better you need to play people at that next level to help continue to, to fine-tune your skills as you move forward. So I think that's very commendable, and I, you know, I certainly hope that that works out very well for you, too. Uh, Taylor, before we let you go, uh, I'm curious to know your thoughts uh, kind of moving forward to next season. I mean, like we, we talked about in the beginning, of course, you digested you know, what happened in the offseason, you know, losing in the playoffs, of course. But 
you've got an idea now. You've been with Chicago. Uh, I assume you're going to be back next season as well, too. I haven't heard anything differently that you're not, unless you have news that you'd like to share with us. But um, you know, as you as you as you move, as you move forward next season, what are you looking to try to do? I guess better, or what are you hoping to accomplish? Not only personally, but I guess as a team as well, from the best of your abilities. Um, I think as a team, you know, every like we wanted to win a championship last year and that didn't work out. So this year that is the ultimate goal. That always kind of is the goal I think for every team. And that's what you kind of have to remind yourself when you get to that grind and that part of the season where it's like, ah, I've been doing this for a really long time now. Yep. And you just kind of have to look forward to that goal and just remind yourself that, that is the ultimate goal. Um, and for me personally, I just think that uh, since I'm going to be like a second-year player with, you know, one team, which kind of hasn't happened for me sure. for a while now, I guess, ever since college. So it's kind of nice college, to just, yeah. like go in, yeah, go in and and know and kind of be able to like sort of take on more responsibilities with the team instead of being like, hey, I'm the new face and where do I fit in? It's mm-hmm. kind of like. Well, people know me now on the team, and they know my capabilities. They know me as a player. So I think just overall comfortability with everybody and, like, on and off the field is just going to be, like, even better than it was last year. Absolutely. Well, Taylor, I'm very excited to see what you're capable of bringing to Chicago uh, next season, of course. And since I live up in the Milwaukee area, uh, my co-host and I are going to try to get down to some Red Stars games if we can. So we'd uh, love the opportunity to see you play in person, of course. So... But, uh, Taylor, yeah. it's, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you taking time to join us uh, on the show today, and we uh, hope to have you back again in the near future. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Absolutely. All right, there she goes, Taylor Camo on the shopfutsal.com line of the Chicago Red Stars. We're going to run to a break. When we come back, we've got more action in store for you. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Stay with us. Welcome back inside the studio. It is Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios in downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I am Baxter Colburn. No Simon Provan today. He had the opportunity to host three shows by himself while I was there kind of in spirit. And uh, now I get the opportunity to do a show by myself because he is off doing wonderful acting things. So we certainly wish him the very best uh, with all of that. As they say in the business, break a leg, Simon. But uh, but really don't, though. I mean, it is radio, so I guess if you do break a leg, no one will be able to actually see your leg is broken. So I guess there is that. Either way, um, we are going to move along with the show. Uh, we've had a, a pretty heavy NWSL show to begin. Uh, we had two great interviews with Stephanie Verdoya and Taylor Camo of the Boston Breakers and Chicago Red Stars, respectively. Simon Mitchell was here in the first segment to talk about the Champions League. And now we get to finally talk about MLS. The playoffs, yes, the playoffs, as Simon Proven would say. They are here. They are rolling. Everybody is so excited. Somehow, someway, the Seattle Sounders are actually doing really well, which makes me upset. But it's not about me. It's about our next guest, Vavil USA lead editor and biggest Seattle Sounders fan in existence. And he joins us on the program now. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm extremely happy. How are you? <laughs> I figured you would be. I, would be. I wouldn't... Uh... I wouldn't call me the biggest Seattle Sanders fan well, out there, but I'm up there. It's a fairly accurate statement for the most now, part. Now, between the two of us, yes. Yes, between the two of us, yes. You're a much bigger Sounders fan than I am. And then, uh, I mean, me being a Revolution fan and me being a Packers fan, anything to do with Seattle, I'm uh, just kind of like, you know, why? Like, go away. I, I forgot about the Packers thing. Yeah, right? That's still a thing. I know. It's, it's so hard. Like, it's funny how, like, soccer football fans, like, focuses are still, like, torn between the two things. And then as soon as MLS is over, it's all of a sudden like, oh, yeah, the NFL is still going on. Oh, wow. Like it's there's yeah. so many different things. Like for a while there, when it was NWSL, MLS, and MLS or an NFL all going on at the same time, I was like, too many sports. I'm like, I don't know who to support and follow right now. It was it was crazy. But either way, we that's su- accurate. Yeah, right. But we we survived. <laughs> we moved on. Uh, we have we we have another leg, you know, to to battle through. Unlike some of these teams that are no longer done. But uh, 
Chris, I, I'm hoping you can help me digest a little bit better of what in the heck just happened um, in MLS because uh, it's been a couple of days now and uh, every single game was a shutout, which I don't remember the last time that actually happened. Um, I mean, the the, yeah. the the East and the West Conference, you know, they're, they're, the legs are... So there's still another chance, you know, obviously for the teams that lost, but I think the biggest thing that still has people scratching their head is the TFC-NYCFC game and the Seattle-FC-Dallas game. I, can you shed any light on either of those two games? No, I was actually uh, doing a little scoreboard watching myself, and uh, I was I was shocked about... The Montreal score, um, that and in Toronto, that honestly, the Toronto score didn't really uh, surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, I mean, I might be a little bit of a Toronto fan. Um, <laughs> I was, I was happy to see them, you know, on Thursday get their first one. Or was that Wednesday? I, I my days are jumbled up now, but something like you that. Know, <clears throat> get their first playoff win, and then they turn around and do it again, and you know, beating you know, second best team in the East. And, you know, I just, I, and then the whole, the Seattle game, I just, I, I was personally, I was in the stands as a fan, uh, had a good friend of mine, uh, let me have his tickets for that game. And I can, let me just tell you, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I did not see that coming, but also, uh, Oscar, uh, Pareja, you know, he, he had to change up his formation a little bit, especially after losing Diaz. Yeah. Um, you know, he essentially, he called it, I don't know what you call it. At times it'll like three in the back, and other times it'll like five in the back. But regardless of whatever it was, it didn't work. I was going to so. say, yeah, the, it, it worked <laughs> except for for eight minutes. Basically, there was just that you know people yeah. people almost yeah. want to say it was a flash flood. Basically, <clears throat> there were you know three goals within between as soon as the fiftieth minute started, uh, everything just kind of went to hell for FC Dallas, and I. You'd like to say, you know, if the Cubs can do it, that the FC Dallas can do it. They can come back from a deficit. But I mean, this is this is a big deficit. This is soccer. This is this is a hard sport yeah. to score three, let alone four goals in. Well, and it, exactly. And this is only the third time ever that one team won the first leg three nothing. Yeah. And ironically, all three times the Sounders have been involved. <laughs> Unfortunately, the previous two times they were the team coming home down three goals to uh, mm. to nil. But uh, you know, it's. I think it's very important for the Sounders to weather that storm on Sunday. The first fifteen twenty minutes. Now, if they can keep them out of, you know, keep the ball at the back, and then at those first fifteen twenty minutes, maybe try to hit them on a counter once or twice. You know, because if they get if they get that all important away goal, now all of a sudden, you know, it goes. Let's just say it's four nothing. Now all of a sudden. Dallas has to score five. Yeah, that's, you that's know, and, even and more at that impossible. point, it's over. It, exactly. So, um, you know, Schmetzer, uh, which I'm sure everybody's already heard, he's no longer interim head coach. He's yeah. now the head coach that's of the a big Sounders. Step so, for congratulations. Seattle. Congratulations to him. I, I had a feeling that was coming. I, I had a little birdie tell me something yesterday, hours before. But, okay. Um, you know, glad for him, you know, and, and Schmetzer, he's been saying all week that he's not going to, they're not going to sit back and play defense for 90 minutes. And that's a, at least I can say personally myself, and I'm sure I can speak for at least half the Sanders fans, that's something nice to hear to whereas in the past, you know, former coach Ziggy Schmidt is, that was probably one of his faults. You get a one or two goal lead in the playoffs and, oh, we'll just sit back and play defense. Well, eventually the, the, the other team's just going to beat you. They're going to figure yeah, it out. Exactly. Um, they they so, always find a way at the end of the day. It's 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 crazy about that. But with a 3-0 to zero deficit for FC Dallas, it, it really is hard. I know they go back home, and I know they've got the heat aspect, which I guess helps as well. But it doesn't really matter who you're playing. You're down 3 nothing. You don't have Mauro Diaz. It's, I re- you don't have to say or Castillo anymore either. It's just I really, as much as I enjoy FC Dallas, I don't really see this miracle as some would probably call it if it did happen actually taking place so it it definitely raises a lot of eyebrows especially after they've won you know the double so far Um, and everybody knows winning the treble is almost next to impossible especially when situations like this take place now I am curious to flip over to Montreal Red Bulls because it's it's still only 1-0. That's the thing. The Red Bulls have two MVP candidates on their team and Sasha Kleshin and Bradley Wright Phillips. There's, the game is going back to Red Bull Arena. I don't really think Montreal has what it takes to hold on, especially on the road at a place that's traditionally very hard to win at as well. 
that's true, but I also didn't think that they would be DC United either. So um, very true. <laughs> you know, at one point, what in the 90th minute against DC, it was four nothing. You know, DC, you know, got two goals in stoppage time. But I, I don't even. The East is so confusing to me. Yeah, it has you're been. preaching to the choir as an East fan. <laughs> it's, it's annoying. It, it has been all year, and I never, you know, at the beginning of the year, you know, for the third of the year at least all the way up until the 4th of July, you know, like, wow, Philadelphia Union, they look legit. And then they just kind of crumbled down the, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Honestly, who knows if Drogba is going to actually play, show up, who knows? I, I guess I read somewhere earlier this week he returned to practice. So I guess that's a good thing. But do they really need him? Because they played well without him. Yeah, um, that's but the no, thing. You, I mean, and I, Simon and I have talked about this on the <laughs> show before too. Drogba's production has been pretty atrocious the last couple of times he's been on the field. So why bother? Well, exactly, and you know, I, I'm honestly kind of pulling for Montreal. There's one main reason why, because if Montreal wins the East and Seattle wins the West, well, guess where the MLS Cup is. Hey, so, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I really think uh, I'm going to be keeping my eye on that. Um, you know, and just I'm going to be pulling for Montreal because you know they they are that underdog, and yeah, they're not of, supposed of the to teams, be here. They are the they are the underdog for sure. Of the eight teams still fighting around, they for sure are the. I think many would argue the on paper the weakest team of, still around. I think, yeah, um, I I would also argue even though they're number two seed that Colorado's kind of weak because they yeah. don't really score a lot of goals. Exactly. Um, I mean, they can score them for the other team, but <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. and that's coming from a defender of the year candidate, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, and that's, you know, no hard feelings. He wanted to be Colorado a part of the golden fans, boot conversation. He wasn't, he didn't want to be. A exactly. <laughs> but you know, it's that LA Colorado game. That should be pretty good. I just don't know. LA has the firepower. Yeah. I just don't see. Colorado being able to, you know, let's say get two goals and not allow. I could see them not allowing LA to score, but are they going to be able to score one or two goals in order to advance? I just don't see it. I think it'll be LA. I don't have the score free, but I think LA will be playing in like their 1200th Western Conference final. <laughs> wow, MLS has been around that long. It's crazy to well, think that it was just know. only. 20. <laughs> I get what you're saying, though. And I, I'm curious, too, from a storyline standpoint, staying with the Galaxy, about Landon Donovan. Because if people keep. I think people have forgotten already that Landon Donovan's back. And I know he hasn't done a whole lot recently, but he did play 90 minutes in this game. And he's consistently been getting on the field more, and he's been contributing to things going on. He's been taking the corner kicks. He's been getting involved in in the L.A. system. I feel like L.A., though, is still kind of that team that's still flying under the radar. I think they're going to casually get to the Western Conference Finals. And then maybe from there, Robbie Keane will be healthy. Steven Gerrard might be healthy again officially at that point, too. If you're playing with a full-strength LA Galaxy team and Landon Donovan, I, that would be interesting. I, I mean, I think a lot of people would love to see a Galaxy-Seattle Western Conference Final. I think we, we know what that what that rivalry can, can really spark. Um, but I, I'm just curious to get your thoughts, too, about the whole Landon Donovan thing, about if people have forgotten about him or if he just really just hasn't done that much and people are just like, yeah, whatever. Well, call me when he actually does something important again. Well, I mean, he still is Landon Donovan. I mean, exactly, it's not, exactly. It, it, and the thing is, in honest, I'll admit it. I kind of had forgotten until you just brought it up. Um, <laughs> it's just been. But the thing is, is he's been honestly. I, I in my personal opinion, I, I, I feel that he's been, you know, a little bit overshadowed by uh, Giovanni DeSantos. I mean, yeah, he's played extremely well this year. Absolutely. Um, Some thought he might know, be in the M- in the MVP race, and then he he, he wasn't exactly. Well, don't even get me started on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, you know, just the fact. I mean, the, you're right, though. If they do get a healthy Keane, a healthy Gerard, you know, and nobody gets, you know, suspended for the first game of the Western Conference Final because of yellow card accumulation, they're going to be extremely dangerous. I mean, that 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 actually kind of scares me. That's why I, I want Colorado to win. Yeah, no, I, I, I honestly, I'm tired of playing L.A. and Salt Lake every year in the playoffs. <laughs> you know, I want to change it up a little bit. And sure. I'm really tired of playing Dallas. But um, yeah, welcome no, to the Western I, I just, Conference, where nothing is fair, but everybody's good. <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, you know, they are. They honestly, they are a pretty dangerous team, and if they can get by Colorado on Sunday, I think uh, 
they'll have a good chance no matter who they play in the Western Conference Finals to make another MLS Cup Final. And then if they do, are they going to win again? And is Donovan going to retire again? I mean, who knows? Maybe. And that's the thing. Let's not forget he is only 34 years old. So if he does <laughs> win or lose MLS Cup or whatever he ends, he ends up doing, he didn't play that much this year. He only has a handful of games under him. He's not going to be as tired as he would have had he played a full season. So I, I think Donovan is going to be back in 2017 for at least one more rodeo. Um, you know, and then he can win the award named after him. Exactly, exactly. That's what Simon has been saying all year long. Like before he came back, he's like, "Isn't it a shame that there's no Landon Donovan fighting for the Landon Donovan MVP award?" He's like, "Would he give the trophy to himself? Like, how does that work exactly? Is it just him with the?" Pres- I'd love to see it. He's like Landon Donovan. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's me. Oh, very nice. Thank you. <laughs> that would be that would be amazing. Um, and then finally, Chris, before we let you go, uh, as we are talking to Vavil USA lead editor Chris Blakely on the shop futsal.com call in line here on two up front uh nycfc and toronto uh, if nycfc loses um on sunday to toronto is patrick vieira gonna bother sticking around or any of these big stars gonna bother sticking around because i feel like this is probably the closest they're gonna really ever get for a while again well i i think view stay around um i would re- i hate seeing coaches take a job for one year do well, don't quite make it to the end, and they leave. I yeah. just, that bugs me. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> it's like you know what you, you get your fans invested, you get your team invested, and you're like, ah, I'm done. I want to do something else. Yeah, I just I hate that. And that's the rumor I'm um, hearing about Vieira is that he's done his job, as it were. He got him to the playoffs. He got him a high finish in the East. And overall, what what more does he have to do if they don't win the championship? He might get a better offer from a team in Europe and be like, well, this has been fun. Bye, guys. Well, yeah, but that, you know, also Europe's different than MLS. We already know that. Yeah. And the thing is, is okay. Let let's say that happens. You know, he leaves. Now you got a new coach who's going to want to have his own players, who's going to have his own style. Yep. And then they got to learn all over again. It'll be three coaches in three years. Should I mean, you submit to NYCFC? Question mark. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe. Uh, no, I just I don't know. It, it's in. I just don't. They have some big names, obviously. Everybody knows them. You know, it's just, I don't know. I, I can't get behind them for whatever reason. Sure. It's not, I just, and if he leaves, I think it's, he's stupid or not stupid. It's a stupid foolish. decision. I yeah, say. yeah, I would agree with foolish. that. Um, uh, stupid decision, foolish, as you said. And I just, I think Toronto's going to advance anyways. I just think they're a better team. Yeah, uh, I would agree with mind. that. You know, you got Altador and, and Bradley and you. Yeah. Heck, you know, uh, Javinko. what's his name in goal? Uh, oh, yeah, that Javinko guy yeah. is pretty good, too. I mean, if you like um, that sort of thing. How did I forget about him? He's only the best like, player in MLS. Uh, um, yeah, um, don't forget about him. And then, you know, you get Clint Irwin back there, and you know they're, they're a good squad. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, Chris, well, we got to let you roll. Uh, we appreciate you you're joining us on the shop, com. Call in line. Uh, Chris, where can they find your work, and where can they find you on social media? Uh, social media is uh, at the real C Blakely, uh, B L A K E L Y, and then obviously over to babbleusa.com. I do a lot of NWSL stuff as well as MLS. So Awesome, awesome. Um, and right. also, I'm just going to say it now LA and Seattle and Toronto and Montreal. Ah, there you go. There you go. I was going to ask you before, so that works out well. So awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Chris. It's always a pleasure, sir. Uh, let's do this again sometime soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Anytime. All right, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, I will wrap up the show, uh, talk a little bit about the MVP candidates briefly and whatever the heck else is going on in the soccer world, do an I believe, and get out of here. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Back right after this.
Welcome back to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I am Baxter Colburn, and wait, 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 wait. Who is this? Who is joining me? This is this is Simon Proven in the drive-through line. In the drive-through line from the uh, from the shopfootsell.com drive-through call-in line from wherever there you uh, go. wherever the hosts just happen to be in the world as they do their other things. Yeah, I was uh, I was heading over to uh, my gig, and uh, you know, was able to pull up the old speaker app and actually listen in and got to catch a conversation with you and Chris Blakely. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> still, still using my manners here as I'm on the show. Anyways, yeah, I heard you guys talking about the Donovan thing, and all I thought was I got to send Baxter a text because it'd be kind of cool if he retires a second time because he he may be the uh, besides Michael Jordan being able to claim that he went out on top twice yeah. in his career. <laughs> that would be kind of crazy. And of course, I mean, you and I have had the conversation before about him presenting the MVP trophy to himself if he actually did right. uh, win an MVP trophy as well. So that would be a uh, Pretty darn funny if that did uh, that did happen. But uh, Simon, I mean, I don't know how much of the show you've had a chance to catch or not, but we've had a, we've had a huge show, a lot of great people joining us. But uh, did you have any soccer comments you wanted to toss in at all about either the uh, the second leg of the MLS playoffs or any of the chaos in the NWSL with Ali Krieger going to Orlando or, or just anything? Yeah, I saw that this morning. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I think uh, you know, fantastic move for. Orlando. Have they announced yet what Washington's getting in return for this? I think a piece of gum and a subway coupon. I've heard it's basically. Oh, okay. I've heard okay. it's basically been nothing for Ali Krieger, uh, and people are kind of up in arms about it, saying that Washington got screwed. But um, I'd have to look. I think it was a draft pick or two that kind of that got sent there, and okay. some things of that okay. nature. But people are not happy about that. There's also rumors that Crystal Dunn might be leaving to go to uh, to Europe, possibly. Uh, Washington's wow. kind of just kind of just self-destructing right now. It's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's odd. I mean, they were, you know, they were thirty seconds away from winning the NWSL championship. So to have this team be broken up like it is, it, it makes you wonder. I guess uh, a little bit if you if, you know if you can entertain a conspiracy theory of is is there something going on deeper with Washington? Are they closing up shop? I certainly hope not. I hope not. No, I mean especially with how with how good they've been. I mean, and I did find out officially Washington will take ownership of the Pride's second overall spot in the distribution ranking order, while Orlando will get Washington's ninth spot. Oh, and Ali Krieger. So you can definitely right, you can right. definitely say that Orlando definitely got the uh, the better end of the. Deal. Deal on this one, and it's it's been funny to watch the reaction on Twitter. People have been losing their minds, saying this is absolute highway robbery for the Washington Spirit. Yeah. Unless, of course, the Spirit has something up their sleeve that they're just uh, they're keeping very much on the down low. That's, that's that's what you hope for, you know, especially going up in that distribution list. You'd like to maybe hope so, there is yeah. a international coming back that that's going to end up with the Spirit. Yeah. Who knows? Exactly. That is that is a very uh very big possibility for sure. Uh I'm curious to get your thoughts of course though about uh the second leg of all the MLS games, uh Colorado LA, Red Bulls Montreal, NYCFC TFC and FC Dallas and Seattle. Um all the games this last weekend ended in shutouts, uh, which is kind of crazy. So all these teams that are behind right now have a lot of uh, of uphill to go, especially all conceding on the road. Well, look, first and foremost, I don't care what people say. The system is broken. The playoff system is broken. And it needs a simple fix, Baxter. Yeah. When when the lower seeds go 4-0, and oh, that is not an anomaly. That is a broken system. Now, I'm not saying that it's not great that you have all these underdogs winning, but, um, you know, yes, teams should be able to go to any place and win a game. But when you're talking about traveling, you know, when you're talking about a team like Seattle who got great momentum from their playoff game win, yep. and now they get to stay home, I just don't think it favors the higher seeds at all. It doesn't give them an advantage whatsoever. And people will say, well, it gives them the opportunity to, to, to get away goals, um, you know, in that first game. And then if, if it goes into extra time at their park, then they they get to play that extra 30 minutes at home. I think that's too many what-ifs to say that that gives that upper seed an advantage. Yeah. Um, so just wanted to get out there. I think the simple solution is just let the first, the, the higher seed pick. Are we playing at home? Are we going to go on the road? Yeah. You know, that's that. let them have the decision. But that said, um, I, I, I did fill out my uh, MLS playoff bracket. Listen, I had Seattle before the series even started going all the way to the Western Conference Championship. I think they're they're the hottest team right now. Yep. 
they're what, eight wins under um, under their new coach, eight two and something. I think is is what the record is. So they're they're the hottest team in the playoffs right now. L A is L A. Bruce Arena. It's almost like he builds playoff teams. He doesn't build regular season teams. He builds playoff teams. <laughs> exactly. That's a hundred percent true. Um, so I, I also wouldn't be surprised if we see a Seattle LA Western Conference final. But actually, I think Colorado's going to pull this out, Baxter. Colorado's very strong at home. I, I think they're going to shut out LA. Um, if anything, maybe it goes into extra time into a shootout. Mm-hmm. And I think you have Colorado winning that. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Uh, that's my pick. Uh, on the flip side, yeah, Montreal, man. What a, what a shocker. Yeah. Knocking out BC United. I couldn't believe it. Uh, I still can't me, believe it. Remind me who, yeah, remind me who they're up against. Uh, Montreal has the Red Bulls, and NYCFC has TFC. Yeah, I still I still see the Red Bulls going through. I think Sasha question, um, Luis Robles in the back, yeah. Bradley Wright Phillips at the top. It's Those hard guys, to beat that. You know, yeah. Right. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think I still, I mean, Toronto, man. Holy cow! <laughs> yeah, where where did that come from? I think a lot of people are still just in awe about it. In all honesty, I mean, I mean, they're they're a great team. Let's not let's not take anything away from Toronto. I think people are forget. I think people are seed watching right now and being like, oh my gosh, they beat the higher seed NYCFC. Let's not be mistaken. A couple, you know, early on in the year, people were like TFC could win the supporters' shield. They could win everything. And then obviously Giovinco got hurt and everything. So. Right, TFC is right. a great team. I think people are just kind of forgetting about that. They are, and that's that is it. It goes to show how important Javinko is to a team that finished the season strong without him, and then you put him back in the mix. My goodness, yeah, watch out! I, 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 Baxter, you know, I, I can't remember if you picked them going all the way, but uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, but I won't be surprised if we see TFC in the in the final. I think it would be, I, I, I think, think it would be fun. Be, I don't. I don't remember officially who I picked, but I think TFC versus pretty much anybody from the Western Conference would be a, would be a fun matchup because you'd get a lot of offense. I think, and that'd be a lot of well, you know, they, entertaining. Yeah, and you talk about in baseball all the time the difference between national teams and American League teams. Yep. But I gotta say, I think TFC plays more like a Western Conference team with their fast pace, um, their control of the ball. Yeah, yeah. They're, you know, always pressuring very highly. So. I, yeah, I think, uh, well, I'll say it. I think it would be fun to see a TFC Seattle final. I think that would be lightning striking twice in the same game, if you will. Yeah, oh, I, uh, I 100% agree with you on that one. All right, Simon, any other final thoughts before we uh, let you roll so I can wrap the show up? No, I'll let you wrap the show up, Baxter. I'm glad you were able to get me on for a little bit. Absolutely. I'm glad we were able to, to make it work as well. I'm, I'm looking forward oh, to Oh, you know what? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I do have final thoughts. I want to. I want to say, uh, you know, thanks to the Chicago Red Stars and to the Boston Breakers for the guests that we had on. Today. Yeah, fantastic work. Absolutely, absolutely. Stephanie Fredoya and uh, Taylor Camo did a fantastic job. It was great to great to chat with both of those ladies and uh, two young, exciting players too. So excited to see what they can yeah. bring in the in the future of NWSL for sure. Absolutely. So awesome, Simon. All, All right, right, man. Appreciate you joining. Yep, thanks for having me, Bax. We'll talk to you later. Sounds great. Sounds great. All right, there goes Simon Proven on the shopfutsal.com call-in line uh, as the hosts love to gallivant around the United States. Now, he's actually in Wisconsin, but like I said, he had an acting obligation that we are very excited for him to do. Um, Here is our final segment really, really fast because I know we're already over time, but that's how the soccer world works sometimes. All right, it's the I Believe segment where we uh, talk about things we believe will take place. Uh, I'm going to just offer my predictions of who I believe will win the Western and Eastern Conference second legs currently. Uh, I believe that the LA Galaxy will win. I believe the Red Bulls will win. I believe TFC will win. And I believe the Seattle Sounders will win. Very fast, very quick. Uh, as you know, we had to just kind of wrap things up. So we are obviously over our time, but... Whew, what a show. An absolutely terrific show. So many fantastic guests. Uh, as we mentioned, a big, big thank you to everyone that joined us. Simon Mitchell of the Fantasy Soccer Coaches Podcast, uh, talking Champions League in the first segment. Boston Breakers' Stephanie Verdoya in the second segment. Uh, in the third segment, it was Chicago Red Stars midfielder Taylor Camo. Fourth segment, it was Vavil USA lead editor Chris Blakely. And, of course, you just heard from co-host of Two Up Front, 
Simon Provan as well here in our final segment. Remember, catch the show Tuesdays and Thursdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time, live right here on Spreaker.com and on demand by going to our website, 2upfrontsoccer.com. That's the number 2, upfrontsoccer.com. Find us on Facebook, 2upfront, and on Twitter, at 2upfrontsoccer. I am at Baxter Colburn. You can catch Simon at Simon Provan. And if you want to email the show anytime, 2upfrontsoccer at gmail.com. We are presented by 3 Lions Pub. The shopfutsal.com is our call-in line. And we are here from the Attention Era Media Studios. From Simon Provan, I am Baxter Colburn. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this edition of Two Up Front. With our manager being the one above, we are Two Up Front. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe.